You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. All right, good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's such a privilege to be among you this morning. And let me start off uh, with your request, uh, Pete. So NK uh, stands for Nkululeko. Uh, it's short for Nkululeko. And Nkululeko is a Zulu word for freedom. Um, actually, it's not just Zulu. Um, it's uh, Zulu, Xhosa, um, Swati, Ndebele. So basically all the Nguni words, uh, all, all the Nguni languages uh, would use uh, that word for, uh, uh, for freedom. Um, yeah, so as you can imagine, knowing the history of South Africa, um, it carried a lot of weight uh, back in the days. And uh, yeah, so as Pete has just said, I'm from Johannesburg, uh, South Africa, and I lead a church called God First Tembisa. Um, it is situated uh, to the northeast of Johannesburg uh, city center. And um, I'm not sure if uh, uh, Isaac managed to, uh, to put up that video. So I've got a, a little video that someone shot uh, recently uh, that shows um, uh, Tembisa. Um, do we have it, Isaac? Yeah, go ahead and, and just play it uh, so that we can just see uh, what we're talking about. So that's where we meet uh, for church, uh, by the way. That's a magistrate's court just behind us there. How fast the place is. Whenever you hear a mention of uh, townships, uh, uh, South Africans will talk about townships quite a lot. Um, that, that is basically what we, uh, we're talking about. Um, as Pete uh, mentioned, there's uh, an estimate of about a million people that are uh, crammed into, into that space. Um, but uh, uh, we are grateful to God uh, because uh, even as Paul says in the book of Acts, you know, it is by God's design that he brings all of these people together uh, to the intent that they might hear the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. And we truly are trusting God that... Uh, uh, the gospel will sound uh, from uh, the four walls of Godfest Tembisa, you know, um, uh, to these nations that are gathered uh, uh, in Tembisa there. So, and I'm traveling with my beautiful wife, uh, Dumi. Uh, together we have two boys, uh, Dumisa and Sambulo, uh, aged nine and five. So I'm going to ask her just to uh, come and say hello. Um, yeah, uh, please come, uh, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, it's such a pleasure to be around um, with you guys, to be visiting in, in, in Ealing, London. Yeah. Um, I'm just so excited. I mean, during praise and worship there, I just thought, Lord, you are doing such an amazing thing yeah. in the nations. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, when you're sitting in South Africa in your little corner, okay, it's not so little, yeah. but... <laughs> When you're sitting there, you think, you know, we're just doing this thing. And it somehow feels like maybe you're playing or what. But when you come around and you go global, yeah. 
then you see that God is actually building his church in the nations. So it's so exciting. It's so encouraging. Um, I'm so glad to be amongst you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, um, I went to, uh, onto your uh, church website and listened to uh, the three messages that have been preached so far, um, I believe, uh, in the series, uh, uh, Nations. Yeah. Is it just titled Nations? That's, yeah. that's all. Yeah. Yeah, in this series, and I count it a real pleasure um, and an honor uh, to be uh, one of the speakers uh, in this significant uh, uh, series. Uh, and uh, so... Um, having listened uh, to the uh, first uh, three messages that have been preached so far, uh, I felt led to uh, just uh, cover three things. The first thing being uh, to just tell you a little bit about um, church plant, uh, our own church planting story, uh, particularly our sense of call to plant a church where we, uh, where, where we are uh, working at the moment. And secondly, uh, I'd like to tell you a bit about South Africa, uh, particularly for the sake of those uh, who might be feeling called uh, to go and bless other nations as you were encouraged uh, to consider doing in the first message of this series. And uh, lastly, I'd like to give a word of encouragement to those who are here from other, na- other, other nations. Uh, I heard from uh, Pete's message uh, that there are about um, over, over 30 plus nationalities uh, represented in this church and over 170 um, uh, nationalities represented in the in, in this uh, Ealing Barra. Is that how you say it? Barra. Barra. Yeah. yeah. All right. So in South Africa, we use the, the name we use uh, for that level of, of, uh, of government is uh, municipality. So Pete was saying that it sounds too American and you, are, <laughs> you Brits are, are, are too proud to, to take on anything American. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I just want to cover uh, uh, those three things, and I'm hoping to do all of this from the story of Nehemiah in the Bible. So before we read, uh, I'd like to just give a, a, a background to the story of, of Nehemiah. So what, what, uh, what, uh, what we see in the book of, of Nehemiah, um, um, the background to, to it is that uh, God, um, many, many decades before, uh, caused the nation of Judah to be defeated by the Babylonians because of their unfaithfulness to him. The Babylonians, under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple in it. They destroyed the city walls. Basically, they just completely flattened um, the city. Many were killed uh, in that invasion, and many were carried to exile in Babylon. In in time, as God had uh, promised uh, through the prophecies um, of prophets like Jeremiah, the Babylonian Empire was, defi- was defeated and taken over by the Persians. This took place while the Israelites were still um, in captivity in, in Babylon. As God had promised, the Persian king at the time, uh, named uh, Cyrus, uh, made a, a, a decree allowing any Israelite willing to return to Jerusalem to do so and start the work of rebuilding the, the city beginning with the temple. Some went, and some chose to remain in Babylon. Years later, another group went, but still some remained in Babylon. And Nehemiah is one of those who kept uh, his life in Babylon, although it's apparent in Scripture that he made several trips to Jerusalem and back to Babylon. We know that he had a good job there, uh, that is in Babylon, being an official of some sort in the government of the day. 
where we are, where we are about to, uh, to read, uh, he is in Babylon, and he receives a report of the state of God's people who had returned to Jerusalem and the state of the affairs of the city. And uh, I'd like us just to read a, a bit of that, that story. Um, uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. It says there, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Shislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I, continue, I, I continued to, uh, fasting and praying before the, uh, the God of heaven. So Nehemiah dis- then decided to pray and repent before God as we are reading there on behalf of his people and himself. He then asked God to give him favor with the king as he planned to request the king to allow him to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild its, wall, its, 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 uh, its city walls. And then next we read in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 that in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Atak, Ataks, how do you say that? Yeah, I, I just hear yeah, this, this is from Pintia. <laughs> in the year of that king, when wine was before him, Nehemiah says, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been said in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face said, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. Nehemiah says, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be said when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I asked to the king, I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will, when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. So fast forwarding to Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15, there we read uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15, it says, uh, it says there, so the wall... The wall was finished on the, 20th, on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. This was accomplished through much hardship and opposition. It was actually a miracle that they completed the wall at all. And having just read the word of God there, I'd like us just to take a moment to pray and just ask God to help us. Father, thank you so much, Lord God, for this opportunity um, for us as your children to sit um, at the table um, to hear your word, Father God. I do pray that you minister to us by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Do us much good this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love the story of Nehemiah. It is encouraging in many, many ways. 
to me. In Nehemiah, I see a man who was passionate about three things. Firstly, his people. He loved his people. The pain of his people was his pain. The joys of his people were his joy. Secondly, he, loves, he loved his city, the city of his forefathers. And thirdly, I believe that he also was passionate about the glory of God. To him, it was more than just about the people. It was more than just about the, the city. The state of the people and the state of the city reflected on God. It said something to the nations that were gathered around Jerusalem about the God of these Israelites. So when it was in shame, the God of the Israelites was shamed. So this man was passionate not only about his people, he was passionate not only about the city of his forefathers, he was also passionate about the glory of God, wanting to see it restored. Personally, I identify with Nehemiah in terms of my sense of call to the work of God. It is based on these very things. The passion for my people, passion for the city of my fathers, and the glory of God. And let me give you a bit of my background and that of my nation. And you will see how all of this um, uh, uh, works itself um, in, 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 in us feeling the same sense of call as uh, Nehemiah. So I grew up in one of those areas called uh, townships uh, in South Africa. So the previous racist government came up with legislation that separated races in terms of their residential locations. So black people could not live in the same locality as uh, white people. The areas which were designated for blacks became known as, as uh, townships. So the townships were deliberately under-resourced, and most of the resources of the country were used to the, uh, for the benefit of the white uh, minority. Most of the land by legislation, was given to the white minority. By legislation, the majority blacks were allocated only 8%, and that was later raised to 13% of the land uh, of South Africa. This meant that uh, the yards in the townships and the houses built on them had to be very small. So typically, a house would, would, would have a total of four bed bedrooms. Uh, not, not bedrooms, four rooms. That would include a kitchen, a lounge, and two, um, and two bedrooms. And that would be for the entire family. So um, a mother and a father would be in one room, and the rest of the children, no matter how many they, they, they were, they would sleep in the, other, in the other room. There was also legislation introduced uh, to bar black people from certain jobs. So jobs reserved for them, whereby, whereby and large, uh, those that uh, served the whites or those that were considered too low for uh, whites to perform. So as you can, uh, as you can imagine, a cocktail uh, mixing all of these uh, led to townships being places characterized by abject poverty. There are other things that happened. Another piece of legislation was passed that had to do with the education of the blacks. This legisla legislation allowed for black people to be pro uh, provided with an inferior level of education compared to their white counterparts. In 1953, it is said, when this law came into effect, 17 rands, this is uh, rands, uh, 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 by rands I'm referring to the local currency in South Africa, 17 rand was, spe was spent on a black child's education, while 120, uh, in fact 128 rand was spent on a white child's education per year. So you can see the injustice that the country 
um, uh, and, and particularly uh, the, the blacks were um, uh, subjected to. And as I said, as you can imagine, the cocktail mixing all of these led to townships being places characterized by abject poverty. And they also suffered the many social ills that often accompany poverty. There was crime, substance abuse, domestic violence, and many other ills. This is the environment in which I grew up. This is the environment in which my wife grew up. That very township that we are looking at right there, uh, my wife grew up uh, in that place. So I grew up with my father being a white family-owned businesses driver, and my mother was a, 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 at some stage a, a, a maid. We call them domestic workers back in South Africa. And um, she was a maid to a white family. Those are the jobs that uh, most, most of our people were prepared for um, in, in the level of education that they were give, uh, given. So the apartheid system was clearly meant to impoverish the black majority and enrich the white minority. And unfortunately, it did achieve that goal. The official census in, in, in 2011 revealed that the household income of a black family was estimated at 60,000 rands. This is total household income. Children, parents, uh, everyone included uh, in the family who had some form of income. On average, uh, a black family earned uh, 60,000 rands. Compared to a white family's 360,000 rands, um, as you can see, uh, a white family would have had six times what a black family would have earned. Things have improved, though, since the dawn of democracy in 1994. And we are really thankful to God that as a nation we avoided civil war and a certain genocide. It is truly by the grace of God that we didn't go down that path, the path of many of our um, African countries. It is, it is just a miracle. To this day, I'm still thankful. Those of us that were there uh, in those days, um, truly we are thankful to God that we did not see more bloodshed than what we saw in the 90s. But as I say, things have improved since the dawn of democracy in 1994, the year in which the ANC was elected into power and Nelson Mandela became the first black president of the country. The improvements have not come fast enough, though, and they have not uh, benefited all. And the corruption that is being experienced in government at the moment is not helping the situation either. As a result, over 20 years uh, since the dawn of democracy, the black majority in townships and rural areas of South Africa still suffer poverty. And urbanization as well, and the influx of other nationals from neighboring countries, particularly Zimbabweans and Mozambicans, has led to greater congestion in these townships than what was experienced even in the days of apartheid. So there's a million people there. Some are from Mozambique, some are from um, uh, Zimbabwe, and you've got uh, South Africans from all nine provinces of South Africa, uh, all gathered uh, in Johannesburg uh, for economic opportunities. And, yeah. So everyone is congested within that um, uh, 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 portion of land that you've seen there. So there is still crime. There is still uh, domestic violence. There is still substance abuse. Youth unemployment particularly seems to be uh, uh, getting out of control. 
despite education taking up a big chunk of our state budget year after year, education in the townships is still poor in general. There are other social ills to point to. There are other reasons why the situation in the townships persists. Without going into those, uh, my point, um, the point I'm making this morning is that these things still persist in the townships of South Africa. And as I said, there has been improvements in the system. It might be that you've been in South Africa and the side that I've just, the picture that I've just painted now, you never saw at all because of the, uh, the, the system that actually uh, segregated um, the blacks from the whites. So if you've been in a majority white area, you would have been met with a development that easily compares to a first world development with proper uh, uh, roads, proper housing, and all of those things. So if you've never been to South Africa, if you've been to South Africa, it might be that you are, you, you, you might be wondering, I, 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 you know, I never saw that, you know. Uh, it, it is because of that uh, a system that, that intentionally separated the two. But there is that side. And the side that I've just painted before you is where we are operating as a church currently. As I said, there has been improvements in the system. You now can study at any university you qualify for and that you can uh, afford. So my wife and I uh, both got uh, scholarships. And um, even though we were educated in the inferior Bantu education, we both studied at one of South Africa's top universities, that is the University of uh, Cape Town. I graduated with a master's degree in electrical engineering, and she is a qualified uh, chartered accountant. You now can also get a job that your education qualifies you for. Before working for the church full-time, I worked for the South African Power Company as an engineer alongside white colleagues. My wife is currently um, in charge of the finance department at an insurance company owned by one of the biggest insurers uh, in South Africa. You now can um, take uh, your children to any school uh, you can afford. Our children are in a multiracial uh, Anglican private school, five minutes drive from where we live. You now can live where you can afford to live. We live on a, a 2,400 square meter yard in a formerly white, whites-only uh, suburb. That is uh, probably four times what my father was allotted. You now can go to or even be a member of any church you please. And yes, churches were also divided by color in those days. And sadly, churches did not do enough to withstand that division of the church that belongs to Christ, not to the state. His bride and not the states. That's to that topic is for another day, though. So in 2008, as a family, we decided to join God First Church in the northern, northern and affluent suburbs of Johannesburg. And immediately, we felt welcome and at home, even though it was at that stage 90% white. So you could say about our family that God has been good to us. We should have nothing to complain about. And yes, we are grateful. We are not the only ones. There are many blacks who have, who have had even better fortunes than us since opportunities were opened to all. But those are in the minority. As a legacy of apartheid, as a legacy of, of apartheid 
the majority of black South Africans still live in abject poverty. So if you are considering coming out to bless us as a nation in the little way in which you can, I hope that what I've just uh, told you about gives you a picture of what South Africa is like. Where am I going with all of this? Like Nehemiah, you can say we as a family are in a well-established city of Babylon with good jobs, a good house, security for our children, good education for them, able to afford uh, all of these things, living not far from good churches with great kids' programs and other facilities, and most importantly, importantly, churches that preach the proper gospel of Jesus Christ. You could say we should be content and just, we should just carry on enjoying God's gifts. gifts. But like Nehemiah, we hear daily of the plight of the people from whom we've come. And we cry out to God for them. Their pain is ours. And we cannot fully enjoy the good gifts of God to us while they continue in their suffering. For us in particular, we are concerned about the spiritual lostness of our people. They are sheep without a shepherd. That great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus. And as it happens to sheep without shepherds, wolves come and they tear them apart. False prophets and teachers have come into the townships of South Africa, preaching false but palatable gospels, and they are tearing our spiritually awakened people apart. I'm a great believer in the power of the gospel to transform society. I truly, truly believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ holds power to transform not only individuals, but society. And looking at all of these things that take place in our townships, my primary cry to God is not to eliminate all of, the, all, all, all of these social ills. The primary cry of my heart is, Lord, transform hearts by the power of the gospel. I cry, let many be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We do much as a church to help those uh, among us that are needy. But our, our main cry to God is open their eyes that they might see in you the good shepherd that you are, the one that can lead them to green pastures. That is the cry of our hearts. Like Nehemiah, we felt called to do something about the plight of our people from whom we've come. So we left a very comfortable church in the suburbs and went and planted God, God first Tembisa, fueled by passion for the glory of God, the people and the city from which we have come. Amen. That is our story. When I say amen, you say amen. amen. You say a deeper amen. 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 Go for it. Great. So that is our story. That is what fuels, that, that is what fuels uh, uh, us in what we are doing a sense of call to our people. We are secure. Everything is fine for us. God has put us in a place where we hardly lack anything. But we have come from people who are continuing to suffer 
the injustice, for, as a result of the injustices of the past. Now, I'd like to wrap up by saying a few things to those of you who are here from other nations. As I said, uh, I took note of what Pete say, said, uh, saying that there are 30 plus nationalities represented in this church. The first thing that I felt God would let me say to you is in the form of a question that goes something like this. Could you be called to go back and do something about the plight of those you have left behind? Is, is experts the, the, the right word to use? It, it's not demeaning in any way. Experts. E-X-P-A-T-S. -E 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 yeah. Experts. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not a, it's not a demeaning way, a word in any way. Okay. Yeah. So I, I want to speak to those of us that are experts among us. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is like Nehemiah, could you be called to go back and do something about the plight of those you left behind? Your people who are in shame, your city in which the graves of your forefathers are, your city with broken walls. Some of you who are here, brothers and sisters, you've, less, you've left behind worse things back home than what I have just described about South Africa. Could God be calling you to step out and to start to do something for those you left back home? Could he be? Could, he, could, could, could this series be, be that call upon you to say, consider that which you left behind, those that you left behind? Some of you, not all, are hearing me this morning like Nehemiah heard the report of one of his brothers, Hanani. To Nehemiah, the report was not just a report, but a call to action. If that is you, begin to seek God like Nehemiah did. The call to the nations that in part this series is sounding is not only to the Brits, but it is going out to you, Nehemiahs, in the city of London. It is a sound that says to some of you, your nations of origin need you. They need the good news of Jesus you have acquired in this foreign land. They need the skills that you have acquired in this foreign land. This is a call to say, come, help, rebuild the ruined cities you left behind for the glory of God and the good and the joy of your people. As I said, I do not believe that this is for everyone that is here. But I do believe it is for some. If that is you, do not pack that tagging in your heart. Pray about it. For some, this might mean completely upping and moving back to the nation from where you've come, like the exiles that returned to Jerusalem with Ezra to rebuild the temple. For some, it may be long-term and short-term trips like it was the case with Nehemiah. But if 
you are feeling the tugging of God, pray about it, as Nehemiah did. Secondly, I want to say, uh, I believe the Lord uh, would say to the experts, 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 seek, seek the good of the city where you are. Seek the good of the city where you are. Did you notice the attitude with which Nehemiah saved the king? Look at Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1. It says, the last sentence there says, Now I had not been said in his presence. Perhaps he had read the prophecy of Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon decades before. The exiles, the, the, the story behind this is that the exiles got to Babylon and they did not engage in and with the city. Their attitude was that Babylon was not their land and they would simply be there to wait for the day they returned to, the, to Jerusalem. God sent uh, Jeremiah and said these words to them and they are found in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 4 to 7. He said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent to exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. says to them, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may hear, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there in that very foreign land. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on, his behalf, on its behalf. For in its well, welfare, you will find your welfare uh, there. As it was God's, God who sent them to exile, it is God who has placed you in London at this stage of your life. It may be because you came seeking economic opportunities. That's the main driver for, uh, of, of urbanization in our day. Uh, even my uh, 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 immigration and emigration. But it's, God's, it's God who is behind that pursuit that led you here. Therefore, engage with the city, with this city, and seek its welfare. Like Nehemiah, serve it with a smile and not with sadness in the, uh, in the job that you perform in it. Pray for this city. Seek its good. Do not just take from the city. Do it good too. So what we see happening in Johannesburg is that people come and they make money there and they send it back to where they came from. They are there just simply to take and take and take from the city. They are doing no good and not seeking the good of the city in which they are. Engage with other nationalities in the city. Do not just keep to your own. I believe if you read that, that uh, portion of, of, um, of scripture to, 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 to the Israelites from Jeremiah, you pick up these things to say, settle down. Give your daughters into, uh, to marriage and, 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 and allow your sons to marry. Settle down. Engage with other nationalities in the city. Do not just keep to your own. Give your children in marriage and so forth. Build houses. Settle down. Settle down in this church that God has placed you in. 
serve in it, participate in it, make friends, even though the church is in the land foreign to yours. As long as God keeps you in London, settle down. If he calls you, yes, do go and do good to those that, uh, uh, that you, 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 you're coming from. But as long as you are here, do good to this land. Engage with this city. Do not just simply be here waiting for that day when you will make your way uh, uh, back, uh, back home. Do good. Serve this city like Nehemiah served the king with a smile, not with sadness. Serve it with that kind of attitude. Amen, brothers and sisters. I just want to, to pray for us and then hand over to, to Pete. Um, Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord God. Thank you for um, just helping us this morning, glorious King. Um, we look to you, Father God. Even as we were sharing uh, the story of Nehemiah and how he um, uh, went back, Lord God, uh, how he identified with the pain of his people and went back to relieve them of that pain, Lord God. Um, uh, even just um, how, how our story, Lord God, has flown, uh, flowed out of um, just looking at Nehemiah's life. Father God, um, um, even though we have considered these two cases, Lord Jesus, above all, we consider you, Jesus, who left the comfort of heaven, Lord God, and took on the title of a man of sorrows, Lord God, and became Emmanuel, God with us, identified with us, Lord God, in all the pain that we went through. Father God, I just want to say thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father God, that, Lord God, as we look to him, glorious king, you do us much good, Father God. We, we learn and see in him the model, Father God, of just laying down uh, our, our lives, Lord God, for others and laying down our lives for your cause, Lord God, whatever that might look like, whether it be going, Lord God, to other nations or remaining in this city and doing it much good. Lord God, whatever direction you're leading us in, Father, let us take, take a cue from you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father God, for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, brothers and sisters.